0: what's up divers welcome into the deep dive fantasy football podcast where i take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles i'm your host brandon gabor and before we get started remember you can follow me on my main platform being twitter at deep dive ff instagram at deep dive fantasy football youtube at deep dive fantasy football even tiktok at deep dive ff And as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. With that being said, let's get into the content. What's up, Divers? Welcome into another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. We just finished week four. We're pretty much a quarter through the season, so we've got some good lessons to be learned. And we're going to start all the way back to that Thursday night game, Jaguars versus Bengals. Tyler Boyd, for the third week in a row. Above a 30% target share, he had a 20 point week. I tried to get everyone on the Boyd train. He's starting to get that consistency. He had a nice boom week, and just keep your eyes out because Tyler Boyd is a baller. James Robinson, he's back to last year's usage and he's looking great. LaVisca Chenault, his role's looking better as well. He's a locked in flex. From this point forward, with DJ Chark out for the season, and that is the same thing for Marvin Jones. Joe Mixon, he had a decent game, but I gotta tell you, I saw something a little bit concerning. Joe Mixon had just a handful of carries. I'm talking between about three to five carries by halftime. The Bengals were down 14 0. Think about the schedule the Bengals have played so far, it's been bad teams and it's been teams that don't have great offenses, we're not putting up much points against them. Joe Mixon, he may be somewhat game-script dependent because you got to consider the fact he's still on a low amount of targets. He's got little receiving volume. And as the schedule gets harder for the Bengals moving forward, it's going to get harder for Joe Mixon because when they find themselves down more often as the teams that they play are going to be up earlier than they've experienced this season and up for a longer period of time than they have experienced this season. Joe Mixon's not going to be able to get 25 carries. He's going to get 17, 18, and that's not going to do it, at least not to the level of what he's done so far. So he might be a decent sell-high candidate. Chicago versus Detroit. Darnell Mooney started super hot with Justin Fields. Justin Fields first four passes were all completions for 93 yards all of them to Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney finished the game with 7 targets off of 17 passes from Justin Fields. That's almost half of his targets that Mooney had. And Fields actually had a pretty good day. It doesn't look like that statistically, but he did have a pretty good day. Now, I was surprised he didn't run much, and that's a little bit concerning, but we don't, you know, we don't have too much info too much data yet so hopefully he starts to run more until Andy Dalton does take that job back if Andy Dalton takes that job back Allen Robinson just got three targets you can no longer look at him or trust him as somebody that just needs to be in your lineup to this point every week I've just been sticking Allen Robinson still just sticking him in my lineup and at this point in time you can't really trust it It, he is behind Darnell Mooney in, in fantasy it seems like now he's gotten more targets in some games than Mooney, Mooney's gotten more targets in others, but they're just not producing enough in the passing game right now for you to trust Allen Robinson. Also, it was a bad day for the running backs target-wise for the Lions, Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift, they didn't get much targets, but I can't tell if it was just a fluke. I'm going to go based off the first three weeks of the season and assume those running backs, they're good to go You could just keep starting them. Everyone has bad games here and there. Don't freak out about it. Then we've got Philly versus Kansas City. The Eagles, they have really put together a nice offensive cast of weapons. Kenny Gainwell, his receiving role is continuing. He is in a full-on running back by committee with Miles Sanders, and he destroyed it with 20 fantasy points. I just love watching this offense. And this is going to sound like a hot take, but I don't really like Now, when it's playoffs and stuff, that's different. But in the middle of fantasy season, I don't really care to watch the Kansas City Chiefs that much. You might be saying, Brandon, what are you talking about? They're one of the most entertaining offenses. They've got some of the best playmakers. You're right. They do have some of the best playmakers. But we know what Kansas City is. It's Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and Clyde getting a bulk of the carries, but not much receptions. We know exactly what that offense is going to look like pretty much every single week. The Eagles, however, are one of the types of teams that I love to watch. I want that to be a game that I'm spending a lot of time on and focusing on because you've got Devonta Smith, Jalen Rager, a running quarterback who's not been in the league too long that we're still trying to figure things out with, Miles Sanders, Kenny Gainwell, Dallas Goddard. You've got so many things going on. You've got a new coaching staff. You've got pretty much a new quarterback, like I said. You've got a new first-round rookie wide receiver these are the t- the games that I like watching. I love it. I love it. Devonta Smith, speaking of the guy, super clutch. Super clutch so far. He had two huge catches in the two-minute drill before the half. He had four catches in a row, back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Not saying he caught the ball four times in a row. I'm saying he was targeted four plays in a row, caught them all, in either week one or week two. I don't remember. That was also right before halftime. And there was a nice throw and catch for a 40 yard touchdown that got called back because he stepped out of bounds and it could be argued whether he was pushed out of bounds or not and if he re-established but it was a nice play super promising Devon Smith looking really good and we have not seen any concerns so far yet with his body type so we'll see how that goes moving forward Dallas Carolina Trayvon Diggs is a monster he's got five interceptions in the last four games Sam Darnold the runner I don't expect that moving forward and he is quarterback five right now. Quarterback five right now in fantasy. It's ridiculous. Is that going to continue? Of course not. If somebody wants to actually believe he's like a locked in top 10 quarterback, I would sell him to that person. But Sam Darnold is looking a lot better. Adam Gase effect, right? We talked about it oh, in probably week one, but I feel like every single week when we go over the Panthers games. DJ Moore, he continues to dominate as expected, always. And... The other thing that I have from this game is the fact that a low-volume pass offense for Dallas is the reason that the wide receivers struggled. If you didn't notice, Dallas only passed the ball 22 times. That's about half of what they usually do. So it led to a bad day for the wide receivers. I'm not freaking out about it. Then we've got Indy versus Miami. Not too much, except for the fact that Miles Gaskin is done. He's pretty much done. I'm not putting in my lineups anywhere at all unless you have to. Marlon Mack, he got 12 touches, and he got the same amount of targets as Naheem Hines. It's it's crazy. Naheem's, Naheem Hines had four touches, two targets. Marlon Mack had 10 carries, or 12 total touches, 10 carries, two targets. So him and Naheem Hines are like in the exact same boat right now. So Marlon Mack being back completely ruins Naheem Hines. Now Jonathan Taylor doesn't seem to be really missing out on too much with Mack back, but Hines is a no-go at this point until something happens, something gets changed up, then maybe we'll go back to putting Hines in the flex, but as of right now, no thank you. And like I said, Miles Gaskin is done. Those are my takeaways from that game. Cleveland versus Minnesota. Baker was way off, especially when targeting Odell Beckham. Basically, it looked like last year. And Adam Thielen is still losing efficiency. New York Giants versus New Orleans Saints. Kadarius Toney. What?! Kadarius tony leads the giants in targets let's go baby and he looks good he's got the yards after catch one of the things i loved about him why i liked him a lot coming out of college and now we got to decide hey is Kadarius tony somebody we're going to trust and put in our lineups i wouldn't do that just yet but definitely pick him up he's definitely worth a pickup if he's on the waiver if you have him just be excited but don't put him in the starting lineup just yet there in my opinion are no giants wide receivers we're starting because as of right now nobody has a clear role Jameis Winston stole a touchdown from the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, Taysom Hill, who had two touchdowns. Marquez Callaway only had two targets, and that is super concerning. But we just got to wait and see what happens, because this offense has a lot to figure out. Washington versus Atlanta. Antonio Gibson got screwed again by another JD McKissick two-minute drill. Taylor Heineke is making a case to be a weekly starter or at least a streamer, at least a streamer, in 12-man, one-quarterback leagues. He's in the top 10 quarterbacks right now. So, And it's partly because of the rushing, but also he's throwing a decent amount. He's got some decent weapons. So Taylor Heineke's po- proving to be a, a pretty good pickup for those that were in two-quarterback leagues, picked him up, super flex leagues, picked him up, and all that good stuff. Cordarell Patterson has single-handedly, single-handedly, this one man who has been on, like, 35 NFL teams has single-handedly ruined Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, and Mike Davis, just like we thought was going to happen. Seattle versus San Fran. And by the way, Cordell Patterson, I don't think this is going to continue, okay? This is ridiculous. He's got very small snap counts. His snap share is very limited, and he's got all these touchdowns. It's going to even out very quickly. Cordell Patterson, somebody you should be selling if you can. Then we've got Seattle versus San Fran. Debo keeps on, Trey Sermon dominates the running back share, and Trey Lance looks decent, showing running skills that will make him reliable whenever he is started for the 49ers. Seattle, not much takeaways. They look like they're the same old offense. Baltimore versus Denver. Latavius Murray has taken the RB1 role for the Ravens. Pittsburgh versus Green Bay. Juju could have had 150-plus yards, two touchdowns, with a halfway competent quarterback, but Big Ben missed him on three huge passes two, I think, would have probably get got taken to the house. And then Najee, he's showing that he's going to keep good value because he got seven targets, even with Juju and Deontay and Claypool all on the field this week. Arizona versus Los Angeles, the Rams. Great day for Arizona running backs. That's very rare. Chase, And it, it pretty much hurt the wide receivers for Arizona because of it. Chase Edmonds had a solid RB2 performance. He's been he actually might have had an RB1 performance this week, but he's been a solid RB2 so far this year. He's probably going to stay like that. Robert Woods, the hopes for him returning to you know wide receiver 2 territory officially crushed. Darrell Henderson dominating the running back load even in his first game back. That's a good sign. His first game back, he's dominating the running back workload for the Rams. Then we've got the Raiders versus the Chargers. The Raiders and the Chargers. Austin Eckler, he's a running back is the running back three on the season. And that's exactly where I had him ranked. I had Austin Eckler ranked another guy like Stafford. Austin Eckler, one of the guys that I had ranked higher than anybody else, I had him at RB3 right after Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook. And right now, Austin Eckler's RB3. He's getting the red zone, and why? Let's talk about why, right? I'm not just taking victory laps for no reason. If I just got lucky, I'm not going to mention it. But the reason I mention it is because I talked about how I expected Austin Eckler to get red zone usage. That's not something he's ever really had in his career, and the one thing he's been missing for from fantasy superstardom is touchdown potential. Well, Joe Lombardi came over from the Saints, who used Alvin Kamara almost exclusively in the red zone all the time. Alvin Kamara was one of the leaders, if not the leader, in rush attempts inside the 5 and 10 in red zone. And then he comes over to the Chargers, and I was like, hey, watch out. Austin Eckler is a very similar player in talent, and all of that to Alvin Kamara, he's probably gonna get used the same way. Well, he has been getting used the exact same way, and that's why Eckler is so good. Mike Williams, he finally came back to earth, but I'm not worried about it. Then we've got, to finish it off, the Bucks and the Patriots. I just don't, I don't, honestly, I don't have too much here, but there is this one thing. Let's go back to week one, right? Let's go back to all the Bucks takes, and you guys know I was not making this take, but let's go back to all the Bucks takes From week one, Mike Evans was written off. Mike Evans was labeled as a wide receiver three, flex at best, rest of season. I said, go buy Mike Evans. Week two, Mike Evans leads the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in targets. Week three, Mike Evans leads the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in targets. Week four, Mike Evans leads the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in targets. He's been consistent since that one off week in week one. The dude is a baller, and... You know, I just wanted to talk about that because I think it's funny. It's kind of just a cautionary tale, one of many that are always, there's always examples of this every year. Don't freak out and react to one week in week one. Just remember that for next year. You probably won't because next year's week one is a long time away, but you'll you'll end up hearing this from me every single year for the rest of time. As long as you're playing fantasy, don't overreact to one or two weeks. All right. So, Mike Evans, you can feel comfortable 100% beating him in the wide receiver two spot. Not too much to take away fantasy wise from this game otherwise. So, with that said, sorry, excuse me. So, with that said, as I was saying, we can go and look at some of the things from last week, some of the calls I made super quick recap this week. I, I don't even know if I was talking faster or what, or as we get deeper into the season, maybe. You know, things are more clear and there's not as much to, to clear up. So that's why it was a little faster. So we're going to go ahead on this episode and look at my accuracy from last week's podcast. So let's look at some of my starts. I said, start James Robinson versus the Bengals. He had 20.6 points. That was a huge hit. Odell Beckham versus the Vikings was another start for, start for me. He could have had a good day if Baker was accurate. Baker was not on the same page with Odell at all. Odell only had 5.1 points, so that was a miss. Miles Sanders, I said... Oh, man, I feel like the Eagles' running game is going to have a sneaky good day versus the Chiefs. The running backs are going to look good. Miles Sanders is going to be somebody you want to play this week. I was wrong. He only had 7.7 points. I had the right process. I had the wrong player. Kenny Gainwell was the guy who went off with 20 points in fantasy. Justin Fields versus the Lions. I said he'll probably have a pretty decent day if you have to reach for someone, have to stream someone, go with Fields. He's a decent option versus the Lions. That was definitely off as well, 7.3 points. That's three bad ones in a row, but we've got some redemption. Derek Henry, I said, is going to be one of the top backs on the week. Play him in DFS. He's worth the price, 25.7 points, one of the top performers on the week. Corey Davis versus the Titans. A lot of people were worried. A lot of people were worried about Corey Davis versus the Titans. I was all for it. It was the first game in which there was not a really good corner or a really good defensive play game plan against Corey Davis. So I thought his target share was going to be awesome. And it it was good enough. It was not as high as I thought, but he performed. And he had 20 points against the Titans, so that was a huge hit. But then we got some sits last week. I said, or I guess you could say this week. I said, start Clyde versus the Eagles. Or sit, sorry, sit Clyde versus the Eagles. That was definitely wrong. He got like a little shovel pass that ended in the end zone. It was like his only target. <laughs> Ridiculous. 19.4 fantasy points. He is looking good as a runner, though. Hopefully they just give him 18, 20-ish carries every game since they don't want to throw it to him to make him relevant for fantasy and trustworthy for fantasy. Mike Davis, I said, sit him versus the Washington football team. Only 10.6 points, got that one. And Damian Harris was a huge sit for me versus the Bucs. 4.6 points, got that one on the head, too. The Patriots had, like, negative rushing yards as a team. Versus my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we still got it in the rushing defense. We still got it, baby. Despite a horrible secondary. Because of injury. Just to make that clear. Now, let's look at my five favorite betting lines from the week. I actually went 4-1 this week. So maybe we're starting to get out that rut. Right? I told you, I've been having a rough start. Weeks 1-3, through three, a losing record on all the best betting lines. Last week, 4-1. So that's a nice pickup. The one that I got wrong was I took the Lions to cover 3-3. Versus the Bears, they didn't. The Bears beat them by much more than that. The Ravens, I had, they were plus one. I didn't understand why. I thought the Ravens would have been favored in the game and they were underdogs. Took them versus the Broncos and they won. Seahawks were also underdogs versus the Niners, which I did not understand. So I took the Seahawks. And the Chiefs were favored to only win by seven versus the Eagles. I thought they'd win by more. We took that line. The Chiefs did. And The Cowboys were only favored by four versus the Panthers, who had previously, before that game, only beaten a bunch of trash teams and played a bunch of trash teams, whereas the Cowboys had played the Bucks and the Chargers, two really good teams, so the Cowboys had this huge edge of, hey, we've been playing tough competition. The Panthers had this edge, or lack of an edge, of we've been playing trash, and so when those teams got together, the Cowboys kicked their butts. We'll say it nicely. Keep it PG. So... Cowboys definitely covered on that, so I went 4-1 on this week. We'll see what happens next week. Thank you guys for listening in. I know it was a quick one. Maybe you like it. Maybe you don't. You can let me know with a review or in the DMs, in the comments. Hit me up. You guys always do. Thank you for the support, and I'll see you, or I guess I'll talk to you, on the next podcast. Peace.